0: Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Well, well, thank you and well done for pulling yourself out of the glory that is the like big top. It's just felt like it's just like built all day. So just thank you so much for coming to this session. And um, I'm going to introduce uh, this team in a second, and we're then uh, going to just share some really cool testimonies of what God's doing um, <clears throat> in the UK and 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 to all these different nations that we're going to. Um, we're going to share a little bit of the vision. Uh, uh, of, of Burn 24-7 as, as uh, a prayer and worship movement taking the presence of God to the darkest places um, and then we're going to have a little bit of fun at the end. Um, is anyone up for that? Come on. So Dan's just going to pray for us. Why don't you just all stand up? I know it's a bit hot, a bit sleepy. This man of fire is just going to get you ready
1: god i thank you for your fire today jesus god i thank you that is what what is happening in this tent and on this field is going to change the world jesus god i thank you that what is happening in the hearts of every person in this room is going to change the entire world father god i thank you it's by your grace jesus it's by your power and by your love father god i thank you that there's no striving i thank you god that by your grace my job is just to destroy hell at heaven's convenience today, Jesus. So God, I thank you for everything that's going to be shared. God, I thank you that there is nowhere that you won't go to bring your kids home, Father. There is no place too dark that you won't go, Jesus. And God, I pray that what is shared today, what is on JJ's heart, for, for your kids, God, around the world, would go deep in our hearts this morning, in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on. Amen.
0: I, t- I told you that a lot. So um again, thank you so much for coming. Um so <clears throat> I I'm my name's JJ Waters. Um, I, I lead Burn twenty-four-seven in the UK. Just as a l- little intro. So Burn 247 is like is like the, the the sister or the or the brother to David's tent. We're like we're like best friends. Um we're kind of going after the same thing. And um so Sean Foyt, who you've probably seen on stage, he leads Burn twenty-four-seven globally. And it's a movement that started really in his dorm room when they were at university and they just wanted more of God and they they, they started worshipping and more and more people would come and then they started filling their stairwell and they'd they'd go all night and then they moved it to a cafe and and, and just the presence of God would come and more people would come just because they wanted more of Jesus and and these, these young people wanted an authentic encounter with Jesus. And then it got too big for the cafe, so they so they went to the nearby like university halls. And they started blowing up. And and then they so they met in a cafe, all these like burning hearts, just 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 wanting more of Jesus and knowing that as we worship, like, you know, that, that worship is, is a gateway to encountering him. And and apparently they were just just sitting around in this cafe and they're like, what is this thing? And just, you know, with no like consideration for marketing or political correctness, they're just like, it's burn, it's burn. And so and so this movement got birthed. And so um, we're, um, and and as I said, like, obviously David's tent is this amazing, amazing um, event. It's more than an event, you know, it's, 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 and we just honor it. And we're so, so honored uh, to be, to be given this breakout uh, session today. And so, and so um, after starting, um, after actually having a deep, I got set on fire um, doing research in Uganda in slums, and the Lord set me on fire and, um, just gave me a real heart for souls and I started like discipling guys in the slums and I came back to the UK and the minute I arrived at Heathrow I came down the escalators and and I'd seen like I'd seen miracles I preached the gospel I discipled guys in the slums and 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 I said Lord thank you so much for that training ground and literally as close to the audible voice I've ever heard he said no now this is your training ground and I knew, that, I knew that I was to contend for the same miracles in the UK as anywhere, anywhere else I'd seen. And so I came to David's tent, and I actually had an open vision and saw lots of little fires coming together in the region where I lived at the time, which was Norwich. And so I started a burn, this, this little, little prayer, prayer and worship furnace. And out of that, I once there was a, a, a burn director from India who came over, a crazy wild man called Pratap. So I hosted him in Norwich. The guy's first ever 12-hour burn. He didn't know that he could do sets. So he did the whole thing on his own until his fingers were bleeding. And like, that's our tribe. That's who we are. And um, <laughs> and so <laughs> and, um, and so basically out of that um, I led a team to India, and that was the first mission trip and Burn Missions got birthed. So that's just the history. Um, and so we're gonna share a little bit of, 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 of what God is doing, uh, just to kind of like, just just release that impartation, release that testimony of what it looks like to take the presence of God um, both just in the UK, I just so believe that this doesn't stop here. There's encounters that God wants to give you here. They're going to wreck you for the new normal back home. They're going to wreck you for a new normal. And I'm going to just speak on that in a little bit. But also, we're, we're, taking, we're, taking, um, we're taking the presence of Jesus um, to some really fun places. So, um, uh, yeah, I'm just going to. So this is the team. So first of all, Niklas, this amazing guy over here. He does a lot of stuff in Germany. And um, he, come on, amen. And uh, Germany's just getting set on fire. It's awesome. An amazing apostolic nation in, in Europe where God's doing awesome things. And uh, Niklas has led a thing called the burn wagon he's going to share about. Lee's an incredible man of God. Just, oh my goodness, speak to this guy. If you're not sure like how to win souls, speak to him. Um, and he'll just like make you just want to get saved all over again. <laughs> um, A- A- Annie, this Annie, she's incredible. She's Bonnie K. Mission's assistant. She just bosses admin like like s- some wild thing, and uh, just has the most wild testimonies of how she just humbly gets used by Jesus. Dan and Hannah, just amazing, amazing, fiery couple, uh, just studying humanitarian stuff and, and, uh, uh, and, and also called to the nations. And Lukey, a great, great friend of mine, man on fire, who also just, just doesn't care what people think about him and just loves people, uh, just loves people radically. So these guys are just going to share some quick testimonies just to raise faith. Is that okay? And then we're just going to share some vision and, and just release an impartation and have some fun at the end.
2: Sweet. So literally what we do is we go on the road with a car. We just drive all across Europe. And Wherever we go, we want to ask Holy Spirit, what do you want to do here? This looks very different. every year is very unique. we've done this four times in a row, and I tell you every year is unique. every year is different. every year has a different look, different feel. but what it happens is we get to see revival spread. we get to see the he- the heavenly kingdom expand all over Europe because when we get to these places we see something else, something different, something that m- might I not I've not known before. So one year we went all the way east, all the way down to Greece. So we drove all through Albania, Kosovo, Serbia, all these places that you hear of, um, but you don't really know. So you get there and you get to see these countries with a perspective of, of the heavens where worship is being released. Indigenous worship is being released and people are being set into um, yeah a different, a different norm of worship in their places. So... It's it's very powerful. Um, We have some very wild moments, some very crazy encounters. Um, But just one quick thing is that we go into the darkest places. So we 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 we're walking down this refugee camp in Athens, and we were just praying in tongues, and we could literally feel the desperation, the 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 desolate. Like place just lit up with, with joy and hope again. We just felt the heaven come into that place, and we saw a person with crutches getting healed right there and then. He was being persecuted in that camp, and he didn't want to tell anybody, so we tried to get him in touch with the people there, but it's, it's, it's that one moment that changes everything for us in these places. So heaven comes into the darkest places wherever we go. Um, yeah, we call Burnwagon Europe. We're um, going for four years now. There might be a fifth year, there might be a sixth year, we don't know yet. Um, but if you want to get no more, come to me.
3: Matt, how you doing? You know, we're doing all different outreach across the UK and two of the ones that I just want to cover, one of them is Witchfest. So in England, we've got the largest gathering of witches in the world. And man, it's awesome, right? Because let's put it this way, right? We got a whole bunch of people what are seeking a spiritual uh, spiritual experience. Guess who we are? You know, we I mean? we've got the encounters. So we go down there and we offer spiritual readings and dream interpretations, right? And man, these people get wrecked because they go in there. I mean, quickly, right? So what happened was. They sent, they sent out all these um, witches and stuff like that to test us because they knew we were Christians. And they went back in and all they could say is these guys are deadly accurate. You need to go out there and get rid of yourself. Man, God was just encountering people, right? And a great- I just, I just want to
0: interrupt there. So genuinely, genuinely we have favor. And this, this, does, this maybe cut this out of the recording. We, we have favor now with the head of the pagan federation who came out and said, we asked, we sent our people out there. and And so if you're freaked out, we do spiritual readings because we change our language because a lot of these people have been hurt by the church they literally have such radical encounters they go how did you do that and we say well actually we asked Jesus he knows everything about you and, and, and these people said that um, A these things were deadly accurate but actually I think even more powerful they said you loved our people really well and, and we're undoing wounds and literally seeing seeing, seeing these people encounter the Lord
3: uh, man that's what it's all about we're just going there we're loving on them And actually, you know, because God loves them. And we're just releasing the love of the Father on these people. And they're getting wrecked. I mean, there was... It is really funny when you... Anyway, so anyway, there was one... She was a medium, what trains medium, and she's a Reiki master and all this lot. And she came up to me and she turns around and says, "Um, give me a spiritual reading, please. And I went, okay, I'll just put you in a team. And I was just like, no, no, you, what, you're scared to do it now. It's almost goading, you know. But you can't go God because God is big, do you know what I mean? So uh, she just, so I said, all right, cool. And I gave her a word. And do you know sometimes you're given a word and you're thinking, oh, I really wanted a really powerful one, but that would just seem like a really encouraging word. And she just turned around and she went, oh, man, yeah, the, the word was nice. She goes, but what I was more interested in is when you started speaking, an angel come and stood behind you and drew his sword. Man, we serve the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, you know what I mean? And it doesn't matter how dark the place is. The darker the place is, the brighter our light can shine, you know what I mean? And we are just filled with love. We just release love. Oh, man, it is awesome because people just... Oh, I I, I can't. I've got to stop because... One more on the witch fest, right? So one lady... So you come along, right? And it's just like, you know, we're releasing love. We're actually going out without going there without an agenda, just to love these people, do you know what I mean? To restore who they are. And then this one lady come right at the end and is actually in JJ's group. And come right at the end, she goes, um no, please, you've got you to gotta give me a reading, you've got to give me a reading. I had this dream, and it's like, I had this dream, and I saw two doors, and one of the doors was really dark, and one of the doors was really light, and I want to go through the light door. How do I do it? Man, God is a big God, you know? He's speaking to these people in dreams and bringing release in their life. And man, that's what we want to do. And also, sorry, I'm quickly, quickly, quickly. <laughs> And we went, so we got an outreach in Edinburgh, right? The biggest fringe festival, it's the biggest arts festival in the world, okay? And we go there and we offer spiritual readings on the streets, okay? We'll just communicate with the people the way they understand it, you know? But it's bringing a revelation of Jesus, you know? It's bringing who he is and the thing is the encounters these people were having. was it's just like, okay, because sometimes if we come with church language, they're like, I don't want to think of that. But when we come with a love language, man, it transforms, it wrecks things. And man, these people are coming forward and they're getting spiritual, they're getting prophecy spoken over. we got the privilege of prophesying over people on the streets, right? And people are stepping out for the first time, are just, God is using them, and new Christians, what well, never stepped out, they're jumping up and down because they're getting words so accurate. There was one word, right? Well, I'll just quickly say this one. <laughs> there was one word, right? And um, this guy stepped forward and you he know he's been dragged along by his girlfriend. And he's like, I do not want to be here at all, right? So he standing there and says, okay, you know, what have you got? And, and just this picture come up of... Um, I said, look, I see you in an army outfit. And I see you coming over hill and I see all these men following you. Does this make any sense? This man's mouth has hit the floor. He goes, I'm in an army. I'm in the army. And I've just been promoted to second lieutenant and I'm leading people. Man. God is a big God. And once we step out of our comfort zones, he uses us in incredible ways. To yeah. Give six evangelists the mic
0: for like... Um, but I just, I just, again, I just want to give you... I know we firing stories, but just to give you context, right? That girl who came up, this was outside a witch festival in this country. And uh, we had the privilege of leading her to the Lord... I got to plug her in uh, with a church down in Bristol and a friend of mine started meeting up with her like at a witch festival. I just like, can we dream big enough to dream what like God would do if we'd show up and believe. And, 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 and just the other context is we'd been worshiping for like 24 hours. We were so full of the presence of God we believed he could do anything. You know, we'd, we'd made sure that that atmosphere was saturated with one name and one name only because we destroy powers and principalities by making a bigger one. And trust me, evangelism is so easy when we do that. So I just wanted to kind of, you know, it's, yeah, Jesus is very good.
4: Cool. So um, we went to Calais just before the camp shut, and um, we got introduced to a group of about 30 South Sudanese guys who invited us to their camp. It was a refugee camp, and they invited us to their campfire. When I say fire, I mean nothing like out here, like kindling on the floor. And these guys are really dressed in really thin clothes, and we felt, like, so honored. We just started singing Bob Marley. That was what it was. We were like, we're going to sing Bob Marley. We have a guitar. They were like, yes. With well, the music here is all just different nations, and we hate it. Can you please sing for us? So we started singing, and I'm not kidding you. Angels just started singing with us. Like, we sang in the smoke for 90 minutes. We then went into, you're worthy of it all. And the sound around, people were coming from all over the camp. Like, we literally looked around. We were like, there's 60 people. What is going on here? And... Um, It was funny. Um, J.D. wasn't sure about preaching, but we decided we were going to preach, and one of our guys got up, and he was like, hey, guys, getting to know the Father is really easy. It's not like trying to get into England. You know, there's humor in their situation, and they all were like, oh, no way. And um, (laughs) it was just... 37 Sudanese men on the 8th of October at 9.35 stood to their feet. They had no idea about who God the Father was. They just stood to their feet and they were like, we want this. We want this. We stood around a campfire. We want this. And it was so precious. And up in the star sky, there were three stars shining like planets right above their heads. It was so full of God. And then the next morning, some of our team went over and we got to disciple them. And one of them said to us, I don't understand this God as God the Father. In my religion, I can do everything right. And on my last day I mess up and I'll still go to hell. Who is this God the Father? And we just prophesied over them. And we started like giving, getting pictures for them, and we shared them over. And these men sat in the dust and they wept. And by the end, I mean, I'm sure as you've seen walking in, it says that about the psalm, you know, you, you reflect his his brightness. These guys were shining. And there was a young boy who was 15, he'd come over from Syria all on his own and the lord had told me to take toys and i just said hey can i just give you some toys and he was like do you know what? i had a dream last night and i i asked this thing i presume it's now god to be a child again and i get to be a kid again because i've got some toys and it's that easy
0: amen and again i'm, I'm just going to give you context The 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 um, What's it called? The, this is the jungle refugee camp that you've probably all heard about. The jungle refugee camp that the media has tried to like, absolutely freak us out, out about. The situation that you know, we, we call a refugee crisis that I believe in God's heart is, is a refugee opportunity for the gospel. And like we just started positioning ourselves and our hearts to be like, perhaps this is the greatest opportunity for this nation as all these nations that have never heard the gospel before are being brought to our doorsteps. Like these people have never heard the name of Jesus. And it it truly would, you know, it would be life-threatening and it's amazing for missionaries to go, but they're on our doorsteps and we show up, we worship Jesus, his presence comes and they encounter. It. It's it's stunning.
1: Awesome. Yeah, we were in uh, in October 2015. My wife and I and JJ and a few others were in this refugee camp in northern France, and we turned up with just no agenda. We were just like asking Holy Spirit. Where do you want us to go? We literally drove to the edge of the camp and said, Holy Spirit, where should we go? Where should we walk? And there's just like a sea of tents, three, 4,000 people there. And we're walking through the, the makeshift streets of this like shanty town, basically. And um, we feel the Holy Spirit say, "Go, in, I want you to go into that tent. So we walk in and it's just super dark. It's, they've made it out like a restaurant and it's packed with people, 20, 30 people in this little tent, all just like drinking coffee. Mainly um, Afghani guys in there. And you walk in and I have no idea what I'm doing. I have no idea what I'm doing. I just, I just love Jesus and get to go to cool places and watch him do stuff around me. That's, that's literally it. It's so easy. And we walk in and you just feel the oppression straight away, straight away. You're like, man, hell hates us. And that's good because hell's supposed to hate us because if he does, it means we're doing the right thing. And you walk in, and uh, me and JJ uh, walked to the guy who owned this, this little tent restaurant. And we walked over and said, hey, we're, ju- we're just getting to know people walking around here. Have you got any pain in your body? And straight away, he points to his jaw, and he's got a scar right down his jaw. He said, there was a riot in the camp two days ago, and somebody threw a brick at me, and it hit me in the jaw, and I think i broke broken my jaw. So we just pray for him, and instantly, he gets healed. Jesus heals him straight away, and he's looking at us like, what just happened? So he goes and walks across the restaurant and we're like, okay, that was weird. he just got healed and then he walks away. He comes back with his friend and his friend takes his hat off and he has a bandage on his head. He said, I was hit with a glass bottle. Can you pray for me? So we pray for him. In this place, it's 99.9% people of another faith. These people don't know Jesus. And so he says, can you pray for me? And we said, we're going to pray in the name of Jesus. Is that okay? He said, if I get healed, then I don't care. And so we pray for him. He gets instantly healed as well. And then we're in this place, and there's these 20, 30 guys. They're all sat around just watching TV, drinking coffee. And we said, hey, we've got a guitar. Can we play some music? And this guy just got healed. He's like, you can do whatever you want in here. That's fine. Do what you want. So we get the guitar out. We start worshiping Jesus. And and at this point, JJ, he just looks at us and says, guys, just just go vertical. We say, go vertical. Just, Just look at Jesus. Don't worry about what's going on around you. Just look at Jesus. So we start worshiping. And I don't know how long it was for, maybe five minutes, maybe 10 minutes. We we're worshiping in the presence of God, just like straight away comes in that place. It's incredible. And we open our, I opened my eyes after however long it had been, and this place was packed out, absolutely packed out with people. There must have been 40, 50 people in this tiny little marquee. Um, and at this point, JJ's like, hey, we should preach the gospel. We should preach the gospel. If, if you get around JJ for more than five minutes, he's like, hey, should we preach the gospel? Let's preach, let's preach the gospel. I want to pray for someone. I want to preach the gospel. And, he, and, and he's just burning for this. So we're worshiping. We tone it down a bit on the guitar, and JJ stands up, and just two, three minutes, just chainsawing through, the, through this thing, just like throwing out the gospel, like anything. And then we said, hey, can we pray for you guys? Is there anyone in here who has pain? And honestly, if at this point there was the end of the story, it would be really good. But it's not, because it carried on. And we, these people put their hand up. And we went out, there was maybe five or six of us, started praying for people. It was like popcorn healings. I'm serious, like bang, 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 all over this place. Like I lost count of the number of healings that there were. It must have been five, ten healings. I walked out at this point. I was like, you know, I'm just, this is pretty intense. I'm just going to walk out of the tent and just, you know, be in the sun for a little bit. And this guy stood next to me. I said, are oh, you, you doing okay? He's like, yeah, I'm fine. I said, oh, there's a load of people getting healed in there. And he's like, what? So I, I, he, I said, do you have any pain in your back? He says, yeah, I do have pain in my back. How do you know that? I said, Jesus wants to heal you. I pray for him. He gets instantly healed. He walks across the street and gets his friend. His friend also has pain. He gets instantly healed. And this guy, he says to me, hey, I have a restaurant two tents down. Can you come and do the same thing in my restaurant that you're doing here? So he said, yeah, we can. So we leave that place, walk down the street, go in the next one, and it all kicks off again. Jesus shows up again. And it's exactly the same thing.
0: Praise Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.
5: Um, I was just thinking about what to say. Um, I um, I just felt it so much in my heart that it's not about you and it's not about me. It's not about being bold. It's not about you being good with people. It's not about you having that many people that you've already seen get healed. It's just about being in love with Jesus. You don't need a qualification. You don't need to be old. You can be young. You can be like me. I feel more comfortable in a prayer room worshiping. But he can use you. He can use you anywhere. He just wants your love. He wants your obedience. He wants you to, like, even if you don't even see result. It's not about results. It's about loving Jesus and loving people. It's about just... just, like, being with his heart and burning where for what he his heart burns for and going where he says. And even if you just feel like you need to give someone a hug and say nothing, but you can trust that you've planted a seed and that it's Jesus that will pour the water. And if you see a little, like, little plant that you just needs a bit of help and you help it out, well, that's also right because that's what Jesus is doing. Jesus, he's a big picture. But he needs you to water. He needs you to plant. He needs you to, to get the harvest. And that's just, that just comes by just loving Jesus and being you. You don't need to be anyone's. We are all special, but just be you. Come on.
0: Amen.
6: Okay. Last, last quick test me, and then I'm just going to share some vision with you guys. Yeah, okay, we're going to turn it up here. So, um, we, we could talk for 72 hours about testimonies, guys, just in this five group here. Honestly, just in a week, we could talk for 72 hours of stuff for what God does in one week with five people. Okay, that just gives you the gravity and how much God's moving in our midst. And this is the most average people here, I'm going to tell you the truth. They're very, very average. But God is very, very big, and I'm the most average of the bunch. That's why he uses me so well. Okay, so... We're in Germany, right? And um, we're missioning across the whole of Europe, just looking for refugees just to sow and bless. And me and Annie, we get invited to refugee camps to play ping pong. Ha! Right? <laughs> anyway, so anyway, that's funny. So we, 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 we honor that. We play ping pong for a bit. And then we see if we can get them outside. Long story short, um, we, we, get, we get with a couple of refugees. I'm with a couple of refugees. Annie's doing some stuff as well. And I said, uh, Are you guys Christian? And like, Yeah. And I was like, Oh, okay. Um, and I was like, do you guys baptize? Are you baptizing the Holy Spirit? Do you, do you know Jesus as his loving Father and all that kind of stuff? I'm like, no. So we get there. And we just start praying in tongues. I baptize all three of them in the Holy Spirit in about 10 seconds. They're praying in tongues, right? Somebody else sees what's going on outside from the building. They come out. What's going on? Are you baptizing the Holy Spirit? No. They come in the circle. The four of us baptize them. Snowballing. They're all coming out of the apartment. Getting baptized in the Holy Spirit. Next thing you know, we've got a whole group. And we're like, okay, I need to disciple them now. Right. So what we do... We get it. We gather in, and we find a classroom. And there's ten of us. And we go into the classroom. All of a sudden, there's a classroom is full of about 30 people. I don't know how that happened, but we're full 30 people. And I realized they they're all sitting down, looking at me. So I've got to preach so we get in there and we just start preaching and we start hitting it we're going after identity we're going after issues all the problems whether they're facing displaced they all just want to go home but they don't know their home is in heaven not on earth looking for an earthly home but their heart's calling out for a heavenly home they've never even visited so how can they, 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 they they've been displaced their whole life not just from refugee but they're displaced since they were born because they never actually went home to Jesus so we're going to we're, we're all refugees in that, in that way unless we know Jesus unless we know her home we're all refugees so they're displaced people in every single corner of our nation we don't have to go to refugee camp there's refugee camps in every marketplace in london okay there's refugee camps at your school your workplace is a massive refugee camp of utter desperation waiting for god to break out okay be a missionary right now be a missionary tomorrow you can't you can't go to that tent and worship jesus and not look any different because you'll be a hypocrite and it's just not what it's about it's about Jesus. And I pray that you're not convicted just because <laughs> conviction's cool. Because conviction without change is worse than not being convicted. You're better off not knowing about Jesus unless you get convicted and do something about it. All right. So then we're in this room with these guys, and they're, they're all getting hit by the presence of God. And I'm like, okay, I talked for a bit now. So we gather in a circle, and we're like, who hasn't been baptized? So. Everyone, by the time we just baptized, had me baptized. So they gather, and we all baptize them, and they're getting filled with the Spirit, and they're all praying in tongues, and it's starting to swirl up. And I just thought, okay, this is my time to just get out of the way. So I get out of the way, and Annie's doing some crazy stuff. I know what she was doing. She's on another level. But um, something's happening. They're swirling up in the atmosphere, and they're all shouting out and praising, and people are getting healed, set free, delivered in a circle. They're praising God. And they start all praying in tongues, and it starts going like this. And all of a sudden, the room starts vibrating, starts shaking. And we're in the highest room in this building, and this refugee camp in the middle of Dusseldorf. And it's just wild. And all of a sudden, Annie goes, do you see that? And I was like, no, Annie. What is it? And what's happened is the room starts vibrating, shaking, and we look above their heads, and there's blue tongues of fire above every head. (sighs) Come on, because Pentecost isn't an event. And it costs his life. It's, daily, it's a daily lifestyle. And God's looking for a disciple that's going to use him and believe him just for a little bit. Just for a little bit. So they'll get baptised in the Spirit. He'll set free and in. And they're like, we need to start church. We need to start church. So we appointed a leader. And he has the church group there. And then that night we had a burn down the road. And they all walked down the burn and worshipped Jesus for six hours straight. And that was just we got invited to play ping pong. Okay? So stop talking about what you can't do. Because I'm sick of hearing it. Because our God can do everything. Everything. Yeah.
0: So, um, yeah. We just, we just love Jesus a lot. And um, the, the thing that, <clears throat> I guess, what, what, like, marks what I believe God is doing through this is that we just put him first. We just put Jesus first. And it's really simple, you know. It just takes what, that, and you just take it where you go. And um, I, I'm gonna share one, just a very quick testimony, and, and just then just kind of unpack some of the vision of what, what we're doing. But I took it. Um, uh, no, I'm not, no, I'm gonna save, save that one. I'll say that one to later. I think you've had, you've had enough. You know, I've had enough goodies of these heroes. But so here's the here's the thing, and this is this is why this is why we do what we do. Just kind of get in the Bible a bit. Jesus is asked by one of the scribes. They're trying to—I believe—they're trying to catch him out. They say, "Hey, Jesus, what is the what is the most important commandment?" In Mark twelve verse thirty, he said, "What is the most important commandment?" And um, you know, you can feel the atmosphere. It's like that's a pretty big question. You know, it's like they—they want to know. Like this is this is their like thirty seconds with Jesus, and 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 they want to know the like one takeaway. So, what is the greatest commandment, Jesus? And he says, he says, the greatest commandment is this to love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength. And you can see them go like, and then he goes, but the second is just like this to love your neighbor as yourself. And so, really, what we do is just based on this principle that we're always meant to put the first thing first. But Jesus doesn't give one. He gives two. They ask him for one and he gives them two. Because actually, the first was always meant to lead to the second. The great commandment of loving God was always meant to lead to the great commission of loving people. And, and the great commission of loving people was never meant to be done out of striving and out of knowing that we're just loved by our Father and hence we give it away. The reason why these guys go nuts and maybe if, if some of what they said is a bit of offensive, it's just they're, they're mad about him. And they care more about him than... No offence what you think of them, and, and we love you all and thank you so much for coming again by the way, <laughs> but what if we all got to that place? The fear of man is holding us back from living wildly, extravagant, loving lives, that by the way, the Bible tells us we're meant to do greater things than Jesus, in John fourteen twelve we have no biblical example no biblical reason why we shouldn't be living and this is not out of this is you know this is not out of condemnation so this is this is just you know this is fun so we have this like so bern is set up to put the first thing first and say god we're going to put the first thing first in everything and so when we do what we do before we do these things before like Lee's testimonies in edinburgh we've worshiped jesus for 60 hours for 60 hours Ten Germans come and just do the night watch because they just want to hit the night watch because they know that it's going to change the atmosphere of Edinburgh. When we do do Witchfest, we've already worshipped Jesus for 24 hours. We're not not unsure whether he loves us and whether he loves these people because we've been enveloped and possessed by his love. And it's how it was always meant to be. The The disciples could do everything. They'd done everything with Jesus. They'd seen him do everything. But what does he say? Wait. Wait. Just wait in that upper room. Wait. Get that first thing first. Tarry. wait on Holy Spirit. Wait till you know that you've really been um, clothed with power from on high. And so, and the thing is, is when you put the first thing first, when you put loving Jesus first, it makes it so easy. Like genuinely. You might don't hear these testimonies and think, oh, wow, they're really bold. I'm telling you, like, prophesying over witches is really easy when you've spent, like, a lot of time worshipping Jesus. People who have never seen healings before see, like, whole knees come back. Because Jesus has gone, they've, they've got it right. They've taken my principle right. And they're not doing it because they have to or they want a story. They're doing it because they love me. And, and when you do that, you know, when you, when, you make the fir- when you put the first thing first, it makes it so easy. But it also then becomes so powerful. And, and this is one of the things I think God wants to release today. It's why what Luke was sharing, what he was sharing, it's, it's, it's not out of condemnation. But I believe that when we have encounters with the Father, we're meant to catch the Father's heart. And I believe that when we, ha- when, when we have encounters with the Father, yes, it's for us. Yes, it's that our Heavenly Father wants to clean us up and remind us who we are and, and, and do all those amazing things that he does in his presence and like in that tent. But he also wants to birth a piece of his heart in, our, in ours. And there's, there's a lot of things that worship does. But one of the things that I, I truly believe that God is, is starting to do is, is in that place is to birth his longing for his lost children. Because lovers are so much more effective than servants. And you will do for love so much more than what you do for like testimonies. When you catch the heart of the father, the broken heart of the father, you will go to the ends of the earth. You will make a fool of yourself for Christ. You will maybe even lose your job, lose whatever it is, because you know how far he's gone. I was in Kenya on my first ever mission trip and I just want to encourage you if, you, if you're not sure, just go on mission. Just do it. Just get out there, throw yourself in the deep end, Holy Spirit will back you up. You'll make a load of mistakes, I'm still making them and then occasionally they come good. In fact, sometimes I put myself in the deep end and go, Holy Spirit you better show up. Actually, I think the most powerful times he's used me is when I've done that. I once said to a drug... I found out that one of the biggest drug drug dealers in Mumbai had entered entered this club. And so I was just like, what if he gets saved? So I stood next to him at the bar, and I was just like... And my team were like petrified. And I'm like, what if he gets saved? And um, and he like clocks me and I'm just like. He orders a whole bunch of drinks, <clears throat> expensive drinks, doesn't pay for them. A young barman comes up to him and I see the manager be like. As in, do not charge this guy. Like he can have whatever he wants. And so I asked the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, can I have an opportunity to speak to this man, please? <clears throat> so I go to the gents. I may have just been to the urinal and I come out and there he is. I'm like, oh, cheers for the... yeah, good timing. Thanks, Lord. And I decided to put myself in a position where Holy Spirit had to show up. So I told him that I was a prophet to the nations and that God had give me a word for him. <laughs> Drug dealers respect influence. Evil people understand authority. So he said, what he said, fine, what have you got to tell me? So I prophesied over him. And I said, and I'm staying in that in that hotel. And if you want to meet up tomorrow for me to tell more about what God says about your life, you're welcome to. And he gave me his card, the biggest drug dealer in Mumbai. We, it's time to just step out and say, "Help, Holy Spirit." <laughs> okay, I'm going to get back to my message. But um, <clears throat> good question. Unfortunately, sadly, and good question, we actually had to leave. It was I was gutted, but. Yeah, good question. But, some, you know, I, I, trust, I trust that the Lord will use that, you know. i got to speak into his life. I was gutted when I couldn't meet him, and, and I, you know, I did my best, but stuff, stuff came up. Thank you for asking. Thanks, guys. You're an encouraging audience. <clears throat> but here's the, here's the thing that, that I, I really feel the Lord wants me to share, that when I was on my first mission trip and I really didn't, <clears throat> really didn't know what I was doing, um, we were in this upper room we were praying, praying um, before, we, before we went out. <clears throat> and suddenly, and, and, and in short, I got saved 10 years ago, and 11 years ago, my brother died. And it absolutely rocked me. I nearly went off the rails, and it, but it set me on a trajectory to find out what was true in life that led me to really discovering that Jesus is real, and I gave my whole life to him. And in that moment, on my first ever mission trip, I started experiencing grief like when my brother died. And I didn't understand it. I was like, this doesn't feel like the nice encounter with God that's going to set me up to preach the gospel boldly. I was a wreck. I was weeping. I was like, this is just inconvenient timing. It had been a couple of years. It wasn't like I hadn't dealt with it. But I actually, I asked God and I, I felt it was God. And I was trying to, and there were all these lovely Kenyans around and I couldn't get away from them. And they were asking me if I wanted like, a, you know, a cup of tea, and I was like, "No, leave me alone. I just need to cry in a corner." And <clears throat> I really sought the Lord, and I felt Him say, "I'm giving you, a, I'm giving you a piece of my heart of what it feels like. What it, what it feels like to have lost sons and daughters." And. I believe in a good God that is good all the time, who's happy. And in the presence of God, there is fullness of joy. But you cannot tell me that a father who has lost children is not gutted that he's not that they're not at home. And recently, <clears throat> I led an outreach in Norwich. And we saw 25 people get saved on the street. Come on. I'm not, I'm not making this stuff up. I'm not... If, if, if anything, it was more. I'm not, I'm not like... And I came back in, and it was so amazing. What was so amazing is that most of the people that were leading people to the Lord had never evangelized in their lives before. They just got empowered by the presence of Jesus and just just got over themselves and told people that they were loved. And, um, and I came back into the prayer room in the worship room. Again, we had worship going on. We put the first thing first. And suddenly... I just I, f- I heard this scripture but none shall perish. And the Lord took me to 1 Timothy 2:4. Now everything in sh- in me should have been celebrating. 25 people saved. 25 people out of hell into heaven. And yet the Lord took me into this deep encounter of 1 Timothy 2:4 and 2 Peter 3:9. Check them out afterwards. The Lord's heart in case you weren't sure was for none to perish. It was for none to perish. That is our father who we worship. That is his heart. He is patient. He is patient. Why? Because he wants none to, none to perish. And if you dare, I dare you, I dare you to let him to put that in your heart. It will wreck you and it will mess you up. But you will do things that you, make you not even recognize who you are. I dare you. It's not comfortable. The testimonies are fun, but it's not comfortable. I feel like an idiot a lot of the time. We die, I die to myself daily. But the fa- do not tell me that the father is just in a good mood and he's okay with all of his children lost. And I heard Reinhard Bonnke say recently, he said, What do you do when you lose your iPhone? What happens if suddenly you lost your iPhone? You're, you're going to control quite quickly, aren't you? I mean, like, no, if it, but your whole life is, if I lose this, it's, it's, you know, it's like, oh, you, you're a lot of me. Maybe you're less addicted to it than me. But like, but seriously, or your car keys, your car keys, your, what do you do? You look everywhere for it, right? How much more a son or a daughter? How much more a son or a daughter? This is not condemnation. This is the love of the father. This is the love of the Father that if you let him, he'll wreck you. And I don't care if three people get this, you'll turn this nation upside down. If three people get this in that tent, if you say, God, I will let you give, give, give me a piece of your heart for what it feels like to not have all your kids back yet, you won't recognize yourself tomorrow. We just love Jesus and we give him permission just show us his heart. Yeah. And right now, I just, I really believe and know that God is birthing a crazy missions movement out of prayer and worship. It is bonkers. Trust me, I didn't know how to speak to anyone about Jesus before I just got on my face and loved him. No one told me how to evangelize. I just went out of my flat and started doing it. And I said, and I made a commitment to prophesy over one stranger a day and started writing it down in a book every day. And there was one day and I hadn't prophesied over anyone. I was about to go to bed and I thought, oh no. So I quickly put on my clothes and went down to the chip shop underneath and said, okay, God, you better give me a word for someone in here. Because I made it. A dis- we made, we've, we've, made, we've, we've got disciplined at prayer and worship. We've got really undisciplined at evangelism. We're not going to the gym of evangelism. We're getting good at the gym of prayer. We're getting good at the gym of worship. And that is amazing. But it, it, it goes into something. And, and I was recently at a gathering called Awakening Europe. And what's amazing, though, is these two things are just breathing into each other. This was an evangelistic gathering of 10,000 people that was marked by worship. Because people went out. I saw Reinhard Bongi give an altar call and saw a thousand people, yeah, a thousand people get saved, basically. I led a guy to the Lord that the first day he got saved, he said, in, in uh, whatever, it was, he sent me a Facebook, it was great. I pulled my first demon out of someone today. Wow. It was that kind of a, a, an event, but it was marked by these moments just like that. See, when you go out, you just can't help to go back and go, but God, you're so good. Father, you're so good. I love you. I worship And out of that place of mint intimacy, you go, oh, I've got to go. And by the way, do you know how much Jesus loves you? Do you know how much? And he'll do stuff and he'll heal them. Dad, you're so good. You're so good, Papa. I can't believe you. I give you all the glory. I give you all the glory. I say it's all about me. It's all about you. I give you all the glory. And I'll start just filling you with this love again. This divine love. You go, I've got to go. By the way, do you know? Oh, you're so good. Today I cared about what someone thought about me. I'm sorry, Dad. Fill me with boldness. Bam. Baptize me boldness again. Bam. Do you know? Do you know? Do you know? Do you know? I need more. Acts 2, the the, the disciples got baptized in the Holy Ghost, utterly baptized. They started to, you know, 3,000 people get saved. They went back for more. Don't tell me you've had enough. Acts 4, more boldness, more boldness. Bang! Baptism of boldness. Bang, they go. Preach. We got persecuted today. It was awesome. More boldness. (laughs) (laughs) Come on. Come on, JJ. Is it good, JJ? Jesus. Jesus. Come on. Come on. So I'm just gonna, <clears throat> I'm gonna stick to time tonight, more or less. It's a miracle, amen. Self-control is a fruit of the Holy Spirit, and, um, and I love him. I love him. I dare you to make Holy Spirit your best friend. He's like a big puppy dog that after you forget what he asks, he'll oh come. Can we play again now? I'd love to do some stuff with you. That's okay. You got, like, consumed with thinking about yourself a bit yesterday, you know, and you got offended, and that's okay. We can have fun today if you want, though. (laughs) (laughs) So we're, um, just, just practically... <clears> the <throat> so Holy Spirit loves practicals as well. Um, <clears throat> <clears throat> yes yeah, so in in a few weeks' time, in case I get too swelled out, um, there's booklets at the back there um, with with the, all the DNA of Burn twenty four seven, and there's sign up sheets here um, for for future mission trips. But in a couple of weeks. God divinely connected me <clears throat> with an Iranian pastor who's led five to six hundred Iranians to the Lord in his living room, and so we're um, we're going to Dunkirk to to, um, to just, just see what Jesus is going to do. I'm guessing he's going to do some stuff because he, he loves he loves refugees, and um and that and that trip's kind of full, but like pray for us. And I believe there's going to be a whole bunch more stuff. We're going to go to Germany again and follow up on all the stuff, um, all the stuff uh, 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 Luke shared. I'm going to go back to South Sudan, where last year translated Holy Spirit, you're welcome here into Juba Arabic and the presence of God filled a room about this big in a brothel and I watched a few prostitutes just weep as they worship Jesus and I don't think I've ever encountered the Lord like that. He will show up anywhere. Yes. And a couple of things that definitely you can jump in on is Fest. <clears throat> Unfortunately, you've just missed Edinburgh this year, but get ready for next year. And we want to start equipping people as well. God's put it on our heart to um, <clears throat> to equip people because this is, you know, I, I I don't have any qualifications. I'm just I just ask for more of Jesus. But um, we 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 believe God wants to start birthing this all through both this burn movement, but through local churches. And we want to equip people just to take this out on the streets. Because I've never led an outreach and not seen fruit right. and that's not that's not me that's just Jesus backs us up and we want to start gathering evangelists as well <clears throat> can you just put up your hand if you like occasionally or sometimes love people okay can you put up your hand if uh, you've, you've ever spoken? no just keep your hands up I didn't see um, you, if, if you're able to talk to people perfect so keep your hands up. If you've got, I mean, I'm hoping you all love, like, one person in this world. Okay, so you're all able to do the work of an evangelist. So stop saying that you're not. And, um, and we just, with six minutes to go, because we love the Holy Spirit and we honor David's tent, we're just going to release an impartation. Just two last things. <clears throat> We're going to release an impartation because it's not about us. It's about the Holy Spirit just touching your heart, wrecking it, turning it inside out, and making you suddenly care—not about like what you look like, but about the person in front of you getting encountered by Jesus. Maybe you're going to start just walking in supermarkets, and just—it's as simple as, as as Jesus says in John, John—I think it's John 5:19. I only do what I see the Father doing. I only. So it's as simple as saying, "Dad, what are you saying?" And I promise you, if you start saying that, if you start dare, just daring yourself to take risks with the Holy Spirit, he'll. He'll, he'll use you to do far wilder things than, than all these testimonies put together. So we're just going to release an impartation and then um, bless you to go and just, just get radically encountered by the Father's love and get wrecked by Him in this set. And if you want to find out more, please sign up over there um, and grab one of the leaflets on the way out. So why don't we just all stand up? This is what I feel God wants to release right now. Why not this move? Sorry, one second. Holy Spirit, would you just come in this room right now? <clears throat> We're not interested in hype, I'm interested in people having an encounter with the Father and getting absolutely wrecked by your love. A love. That caused your face to be so beaten that people couldn't recognize you. Someone got. Thanks, bro. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim, each had six wings. With two, he covered his face, and with two, he covered his feet, and with two, he flew. So this is the kind of thing that you might encounter tonight. This is what's happening in heaven right now. Just close your eyes and even if you're not feeling anything right now. I just release the spirit of revelation and wisdom right now to open the eyes of your heart. To even right now just encounter some of these things that are happening in the throne room. This is real. This is the word of God. He is sitting upon his throne, high and lifted up. And the train of his robe fills the temple. There are seraphim. They are fire angels and they have six wings. And they just call to another and they say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, This has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. I bless you to know right now that you are holy and blameless before Jesus. He's already made you holy and blameless. But here's what I want to release. Here's what I want to release. You see, Isaiah was having a David-type encounter that I bless you to have in that tent tonight. He was before the throne of God. He was before the face of God. The train of his robe filled the temple. That means there was nowhere the glory could not go. So imagine the most wild encounter you've ever had with the Lord. And, and, and just gazillion that. That's the encounter Isaiah's is having. So he's got his attention. But this is what he says to him. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? God wasn't trying to get Isaiah's attention. Then I said, here I am, send me. God has got your attention this weekend. God didn't need more of Isaiah's attention. He wanted to hear his yes. Do you think he was asking this question, They were eye to eye, eye to eye with the Lord of hosts and yet he still asks whom shall I send? He's looking you in the eyes right now, he's not looking at anyone else and he's saying whom shall I send? He doesn't say that even to a room full of people, he says that one on one with you right now, whom shall I send? And he really wants to hear your yes. He really wants to hear your yes. And it doesn't have to be a loud yes. It can be the quietest yes you've ever said, but trust me, this yes will ruin you. So right now, if you just... Yeah, I just, I just release the Father's love in this house so fully... That you get captivated by what breaks his heart. That you get captivated for a love of the lost. And you love not your life to death, but you will go anywhere. I just release just a passionate, fiery love of the Father right now. In Jesus' name. I bless you to encounter him right now. And he doesn't have to use you, but he really wants to. So right now, if you want to give him your yes, I just bless you to just take a step forward. Run to the front if you need to. Get on your face if you need to. Just do something that tells Jesus you say yes. All these guys are going to pray for you. He sees your yes. It's not about us. It's just about you saying yes. start laying hands the team are just going to start laying hands Because Paul talked about the impartation through the laying on of hands and all of these guys love people really well but more than that dad I ask right now that you just touch hearts in a deep way Holy Spirit, come. Send these ones. Send these ones, God. Send these ones, God. Not because they have to, but because they get to. Thank you, Holy Spirit.
2: Mm,
0: You are.